President Anik Okik. It's an honor, sir. Thank you, Captain. It's a pleasure to meet you as well. Your record is exemplary. Thank you, Mr. President. Sadly, we don't have time for pleasantries. Please, sit down. Captain Lawrence, please begin the briefing. Of course, Mr. President. Captain Leandros, to start, you must understand and acknowledge that everything said in this room is classified. Understood and acknowledged, Captain. Starfleet exploratory teams have charted the Eltoons Nebula in the Divorce Sector and discovered a planet here. The planet, designated M-Delta-337, was initially suspected to be uninhabited. The USS Prite, under the command of Captain Adam Tuzek, was tasked with performing a survey of the planet. That was two weeks ago. The USS Prite notified Starfleet that planet M-Delta-337 was in fact colonized. The inhabitants of the planet, known as Mastermone, were a reclusive people. They wished only to be left to themselves. Captain Tuzak was to respect the Mastermone wishes, but inform them the Federation would be willing to speak should they change their minds. After 18 hours without report, the USS Prite was found adrift near Kobali. All hands had abandoned ship. No damage to the vessel. The Prite's memory core had been wiped. Starfleet intelligence has been unable to acquire significant intel through long-range sensor scans. We need boots on the ground. The Prioritas will provide those boots. Captain Leandros, we have over a thousand missing men and women, Starfleet officers and crewmen, gone without a trace. It is your job to find them. When the intel has been collected, report to Starfleet and we will make our move. Captain, why the Prioritas? There must have been a dozen ships closer, and at least a handful better equipped for the nature of this mission. And, I suppose, you're curious why the Federation President is here. It is an honor, sir, but that question has crossed my mind. Are you familiar with Adam Tuzak, Captain Leandros? In name only, Mr. President. It's no surprise, Captain. Adam spent his early years in Starfleet, like so many others, guarding star maps patrolling borders, going where no man has gone before. Excuse me, Captain Lawrence. Would you give Captain Leandros and I a few moments, please? Uh, of course, Mr. President. Shall I report back to Ops, sir? No. I'd like you to stay close, please. If you would. Of course, Mr. President. I'll just wait outside. As I was saying... Aidan Tusek was following the standard Starfleet career path. That is, until we met. I was in the early stages of my presidency, and I felt I needed another ear in Starfleet. So Adam Tuzek was an informant for you? He was one of my ears, initially. As president of the United Federation of Planets, I knew I needed to have a finger on the pulse of not only the worlds of the Federation, but also Starfleet. I needed to hear honest voices express concern or approval when decisions were made that affected Starfleet. Though Adam's career was ordinary, his character was extraordinary. He was the perfect man for the job. He was one of your ears, initially? Until recently would have been a more accurate description. Very recently. We had been hearing reports of sabotage since our push into the Delta Quadrant. From where or whom was unclear, but it was obvious 
that it was meant to fracture the recent formed Delta Alliance. I asked Adam to keep his ear to the ground and let me know if anything came up. Then came a break in the case, courtesy of the Prioritas. The Bentham incident. Precisely. You threw on the lights, and the rats went scurrying. That leads us to Adam. He notified me that he had informed the required face-to-face, but our relationship was... Clandestine. Discreet. I could not take him off his current assignment, but I did request Admiral Yashinev put in orders to have the Prite return to Starbase for refit and repairs. Unfortunately, he was lost on Mashjaman. Captain Aiden Tuzak would never return from the final frontier without vital information. His rescue is of utmost importance. But why the Prioritas, sir? Well, Elijah, may I call you Elijah? Of course, Mr. President. Anik, please. That may be a question Captain Lawrence can answer. President Okeg to Captain Lawrence. Lawrence here. We are ready for you. Please, come in. Captain Lawrence. Captain Leandros was just asking why the Prioritas was chosen for this mission. Of course, Mr. President. The Prioritas is a battle-hardened ship and crew. You, a battle-hardened captain with a knack for negotiation, in the loosest sense. But more than that, you have an asset that may prove unquantifiable. Ben Metricon. Commander Metricon? Perhaps I've said too much. I can't unring the proverbial bell. So think on what I've said. This episode of Priority One Podcast is brought to you by our Patreon supporter, Mizugai. We thank him and all our other patrons for their monthly support. Episode 213 of Priority One Podcast, the premier Star Trek online podcast. Recorded live on Thursday, March 12th, 2015, and available for download or streaming on Monday, March 16th at PriorityOnePodcast.com. I'm Jace. I'm Cookie. And I'm Elijah. What do we have in store this week, Elijah? This week, we trek out the start of celebrations for the 50th anniversary of Star Trek in 2016. So you're going to want to mark your calendars and start setting Google alerts. Star Trek Online news might be a little slow this week, but the recent announcement of the Delta Recruitment event has us thinking. Cookie gives you a review of upcoming special events in Star Trek Online for you to mark your calendars. Jace addresses event fatigue, and we'll keep tracking those devs so that you stay informed of special posts related to the game. Finally, before we wrap the show, we'll open hailing frequencies for your incoming messages. Join us for the live recordings of these episodes on PriorityOnePodcast.com forward slash live. 
The chat room is full of some awesome people and we want you to be a part of it too. So join the fun at around 8 p.m. Eastern Time, that's 5 p.m. Pacific Time, Thursday nights, only at PriorityOnePodcast.com forward slash live. Sensors have detected a subspace message instructing all sentient species inhabiting the Milky Way galaxy to visit www.podcastawards.com and vote for Priority One Podcast in the best produced and gaming categories. That is right, Admirals, you nominated us. Now it's time to make sure we see this through to the end. So visit podcastawards.com once a day, every day, until March 24th and vote for Priority One Podcast in the best produced and gaming categories. Admirals, check your emails and make sure that you get your votes verified. You might want to check your spam folder too. Don't forget we love chatting with you. Follow us on facebook.com forward slash priority one podcast or on Twitter via at STO priority one. And if you're in game, catch the cast, crew, and fleetmates by joining the Priority One chat. To do that, just type forward slash channel underscore join space Priority One right in the game chat box. Now let's trek out the start of Star Trek's 50th anniversary celebrations coming in 2016. Join places. I don't know. Then let's trek it out. The buzz is already beginning in celebration of Star Trek's 50th anniversary next year, in 2016. As special events start being announced, Priority One will keep you informed so you don't miss out. First up, Star Trek The Ultimate Voyage Concert Tour has been officially announced. This concert, to premiere at the Royal Albert Hall in London on November 1st, 2015, will then start its North American tour January 2016 in Florida. This live symphony orchestra will pass through over a hundred North American cities until April 2016. You can expect projections from the films with live orchestral underscoring and performances from all the major motion pictures and television series. Now, the exact dates of which cities and which dates has not yet been announced, but set your Google alerts for Star Trek The Ultimate Voyage and don't miss this event. Up next, Creation Entertainment, the company responsible for the big-ticket Star Trek conventions throughout the United States, has announced their 2016 Star Trek convention events. Now, the list is quite short, with only New Jersey, Chicago, Dallas, and Las Vegas serving as host cities. Actually, this is a very short list compared to previous years. So, if you are planning on attending one of the conventions, head over to creationent.com, that's creationent.com, and look up those dates. So I am really excited about the concert series. I'm so looking forward to them touring the United States so that I can try to catch the earliest concert at the closest location. How about you guys? What are you looking forward to most? If they're going to make 100 stops, then I probably have a good shot of having one close by. So I'm definitely going to try to go to one. Yeah, there's got to be. There's going to be one near me because I'm near Dallas. And even if it's in Houston or Austin, I would still think about going. Um, my only question is, do I wear... It's going to be like a star... It's going to be like a um, symphony, right? A symphony orchestra? Yeah, but I guarantee anything with Star Trek in the title, there will be people in uniform. Yeah. Yeah, so I don't know whether to wear a fancy dress or my Starfleet uniform. What about a Star Trek fancy dress? There you go. Dress uniforms. Oh my gosh, I should get one of those. I could get like a Deanna Troy dress. Yes. Yeah. And I can, and what I'm going to do is I'm going to get the white admiral. Ooh. The white admiral, yeah. This has turned into a talk about fascism. <laughs> Sorry, Cookie. That's what happens when you get me and Elijah together. <laughs> uh, 
So this is actually a, a great opportunity. Once we know the dates of our local major cities, maybe we can do like a meetup, you know, with all of our listeners. We can all go to the symphony together and listen to Star Trek in concert live. I think that would be a great idea. That would be so cool. That would like be to cool. meet up and do that yeah, together? Just, well, local meetups, yeah. like whoever's in our yeah. area. The one thing I was kind of disappointed in of, of everything is that the New Jersey con won't be an, all the way until next August and so close to Vegas. It's like two weeks after Vegas. I don't understand how they can get away with that. I mean, it's just... Yeah, it always used to be in the spring. Yep, it was always in the spring in New Jersey at Cherry Hill and now this year. And now they're, they're not even doing Boston, though. That's true, the interesting true. part is that on the East Coast, they're only doing Philadelphia. And interestingly, Philadelphia, too. I don't know why they wouldn't move it closer to New York City. Yeah, it's a small venue. If people come from all around, it's going to be overwhelmed. And it's not in, a, in an ideal location, either. It's a small venue. It's not easy to get to. It's not like off a major highway. You know, you have to do several U-turns and jug handle turns to get to this place. It's not, I, I, I would have liked to have seen this maybe some somewhere in New York City, especially if it's going to be the 50th and they're going to be doing so few conventions in 2016. So here we are in 2015 with no conventions other than like Chicago and Star Trek Las Vegas. And then in 2016, we have a sprinkling of conventions. Yeah, still only four. Right, a sprinkling of conventions, and their venues aren't even that exciting. So, I don't know, we'll see. Yeah, did you see the excuse they gave for this year? They said that it was because of Supernatural's 10th anniversary. I mean, I know that uh, the Andorians are pretty big on Supernatural as well as Trek, but I didn't think its fandom was as overwhelming. No, that's silly. I don't see how. Yeah, it doesn't even compete with that. It's two different things. Yeah. Now, if it was Star Wars... Yeah, I mean, creation does both, but I wouldn't see it interfering. Well, have you discovered something that you think the rest of our listeners would enjoy hearing about? A new advancement in science or tech that you'd like us to cover? Then send it over to us via incoming at PriorityOnePodcast.com. Let's find out what happened this week in Star Trek Online. Computer status report. Status. Incoming message. I'm only in the mood for good news today. This is the Kobayashi Maru training simulation. These cadets are learning fast and will soon be Delta recruits in Starfleet. Any other young man, woman, or other character created between the dates of April 2nd and May 21st can enlist in Starfleet Academy and qualify as a Delta recruit. This gal here is practicing the ins and outs of medicine, making sure the others are fit and proper. Keep those boys healthy, Doctor. We'll need them in the coming fight against the Iconians. This fella is learning how to keep our ships together in the Starfleet Engineering Section. And this is a tactical Delta recruit learning how to tear enemy ships apart. That dual beanbag is sure to knock those Iconians bow-legged. 
Delta Recruitment is our most new, recruit-friendly drive in almost two years. You'll be in the thick of it, with some of our galaxy's oldest and best admirals. There's no better time to enlist and get a bridge-side view of the action. Even if your main's been socking enemies for five years, the Federation needs Delta recruits. By battling Klingons, Romulans, Cardassians, and others, you'll not only prepare for the coming Iconian War, but experience new parallel battles to previously fought campaigns. You'll also earn new equipment, marks, and other rewards, some that benefit your whole account. Think of how proud you'll make Mummy and Daddy when you bring home a shiny new Temple Insight ship trait. The Klingons and Romulans are in on the action, too. If you choose to enlist in the KDF during Delta recruitment, you're enlisted to the same benefits as those enlisted in Starfleet. <laughs> Easy, son. Gawk is not for the squeamish. Fight together and unlock added server rewards for the first six weeks of engagement. Don't forget, fighting as a Delta recruit between April 2nd and May 21st also pays dilithium per confirmed kill. No lollygagging. Take your shot, recruit. Become a Delta recruit today. This week, the community was teased with an upcoming event geared towards enticing new or returning players to create and level a uniquely new character in Star Trek Online. Dubbed Delta Recruits, new characters created between April 2nd and May 21st will have access to special perks that will help them progress through the game with ease and catch up to existing veteran players. Now, the blog is really just a tease and the descriptions of the rewards are generally and slightly vague. Additionally, Perfect World Entertainment and Cryptic have been pretty tight-lipped since the publication of the blog, so we only really know what was teased. Cookie, tell us what we know. Well, new characters created during the event will be titled Delta Recruits and will earn a host of new benefits and rewards to aid them in their leveling experience. They have a list of goals that they can achieve at any time, and completing these goals will see them rewarded with equipment, marks, and other rewards beneficial not just to the Delta Recruit, but to all characters on that same account. Completing story arcs of your chosen faction will reward you with a unique starship trait for all characters on your account, Temporal Insight. This trait will proc a damage immunity when you use any hull heal on your starship. Delta Recruits will have an inherent bonus trait during the Delta Recruit event of generating Dilithium Ore upon defeating enemies. A bonus which extends to your entire group. This trait will only be available during this event and will be gone once the Delta recruitment event ends. So gather your dilithium ore while you can. So clearly this is a promotional event to help bring new players or encourage retired players to return. And honestly, I think it's a good move. I really do. Because unlike other MMOs, which just kind of gift you a max level character... Star Trek Online is not only going to help players progress faster, but they're going to grant account-wide rewards for all your tunes, even a dilithium bonus to teams during the event. And honestly, I can see why they didn't just pop players in at level 50 like other MMOs, because 
honestly, leveling in Star Trek Online is really pretty quick. Unless if it's between 50 and 60. Um, uh, yeah, maybe, if that. Mm, it's not quick. So not only are they giving you progress bonuses, and they're giving you rewards that are account-wide, but they're also making worldwide events that will entice new players and engage them in the existing universe. Now, I've been keeping an eye on some of the community groups out there, and some people are really, really hating on this event, and I'm having a really difficult time understanding why. The main complaint I'm seeing is that some players just started a tune, or just reached level 60. But here's the thing, leveling is not really a problem in Star Trek Online. The only reason we felt it was because we were already at 50, but progressing through, you can go pretty far. I haven't gotten a tune from 0 to 60 since Delta Rising, so I don't... It's slower than we were used to, but compared to many other games, it's pretty quick even from 50 to 60. It's, yes, it's just that yes. the missions don't allow you to seamlessly level is the main issue. Not so much that it's so slow. And that's the thing, I can't compare it to other MMOs because this is the only one I play. But like Jay said, it, compared to other MMOs, you can power level to 50 on a weekend, and you can do the next 10 levels maybe in a week's worth of gameplay or less. So my question is, these players that are upset because they just rolled a tune or they just got a tune to level 60, have they also managed to max out all their reputation tracks or upgrade all of their gear to Mark 14 or earned every single trait along the specialization trees? Here's what I think the problem is. I think the language of this blog was written for existing players. And we didn't need a reworded press release that was issued to MMORPG.org or other gaming websites. This announcement really should have been worded on the ARC website in such a way that spoke directly to potential players or spoke directly to existing players. Because of the fact it was addressed to existing players, everyone who is already at max level feels like they might be missing out on uber rewards if they don't start a new tune, even though the rewards haven't even been fully outlined. So in my opinion, they should have written a more detailed blog for the internal community to avoid these assumptions. Also, this really shouldn't come as a surprise to the community, because it hasn't been since Season 7 that we've really seen a push to attract new players. The last big thing was the new Romulus expansion. Most of the development moving forward was really geared towards endgame. I think it's a really good way to get new players in the game without trying to reinvent the wheel, or just gifting them a level 50 character. But still, I think that a more detailed blog for existing players would have helped prevent forum fires, even though the blog tries to repeat that rewards will be available to all characters on the account. So, Jace, you've played other MMOs. Given what you know of this Delta recruitment, how does this compare to other attempts from other MMOs to try to bring players in? Hmm, that's an interesting point. Well... I think you're on to something with the comparison with New Romulus. The Legacy of Romulus was an expansion geared towards creating new characters, right? Let's create a Romulan character, let's create a Riemann character, play through a new low-level storyline and get a new character up and try out new ships and all that. Whereas Delta Rising has been focused primarily on endgame. You have to have done the earlier missions to even do these missions. It's a level cap increase, it's a new tier of ship, it's all high-end, high-level stuff. Comparatively, most of my long-term MMO experience was on World of Warcraft, where the first two expansions both had level caps, but also added new races and classes. And with Wrath of the Lich King, they gave you the option, if you started as the new Death Knight class, 
you could jump straight, not to max level, but straight to 50th level by playing that story arc. However, later on, when they had the Cataclysm expansion, which was a radical shakeup of the whole game world, that introduced a lot of people to replay the revamped starting areas. And now they actually have given out a one-time token to allow you to boost any of the characters you've already created to a high level. The only other thing I could really compare that to with multiple expansions of a sort would be uh, I play Marvel Heroes and they don't follow the same type of MMO model. They're more of a action RPG slash MMO. But they do periodic promotions where you can get free bonus hero unlocks because that's more of a game where you play lots of different Marvel heroes and switch between them and leveling up say Iron Man gives you a trait that you could use on your Spider-Man or Thor so it's interesting but they do more of like rolling special events and giveaways and bonus XP and that sort of thing which I'll talk about a little later in my editorial but I think this is interesting because it also includes some elements of the old recruit a friend campaign like promoting teaming like the fact that the new character will give some of those benefits to other people on the team, but it also gives existing players a reason to play a new character because there may be some new story twists and also they'll get to unlock that new trait. So I'm intrigued. It gives me some story reasons to maybe play a new character. I'm interested to see what they do with this time travel arc. So another community concern I keep hearing is that you know, Cryptic is just out for money. This is some kind of money grab. Now, I 100% disagree. For instance, on the official Facebook page for Star Trek Online, there was a lot of negativity regarding this new Delta recruitment event. But why, though? They provide you with the character slot, right? Right. Let's say if you have all your characters filled up, you don't have any room for more, they're going to give you an extra slot. Right, and that has been confirmed by Captain Smirk. So that's really been the only added announcement to the blog, and it's actually at the bottom of the blog as well. But therein lies the problem as well, is that I think the blog, as you mentioned earlier, in the chat they mentioned that the press release might have been released early from another gaming news site. So that this blog seemed a little bit like a reworded press release. So what ended up happening is that for existing players, for veteran players, it just raised a lot of questions. What I'm seeing is that players are concerned that this is just some kind of another money grab in some way, shape, or form. Look, that's pointless cynicism, if you ask me. You get a free character slot. If you play a new character up through just the Breen story arc, not even level them to 60, you get a free trait, and there's going to be a bunch of other rewards. That are unlockable to the entire account. Right. Account-wide, they've clarified. So where do you have to spend money? I don't get it. Why, why would it be a money grab? Well, they're saying to get people to play more characters, and then those characters will want to upgrade gear and stuff like that. But that's why I said it's super cynical. You know, my question is, for these players, not only is, okay, you just leveled to 60. Did you do everything else? Did you do all the reputation? Did you do... You see, they would say back to that, Elijah, that now they have to level up a new character to get these new rewards, so that takes away from their time to do all those things that you're talking about. But there's a, the blog does outline that there is going to be progression bonuses. Uh, so it's true. not going to take nearly as long to get to 60 as it would if you were just to pick up a character right now at the time of this recording and and go from 1 to 60. So the point of this is to help players get through it faster and catch up with the veteran players according to the blog. So I don't understand why the community concerned that this is a money grab. I don't see how that possibly could be a money grab. And I don't see what the concern is about starting a new tune that you'll probably be able to get 1 to 60 definitely on a Red Bull weekend. And on top of that, you'll be able to participate in global events. Like, why is it a bad thing to 
consider focusing the attention on bringing players in. Every MMO does it. Every MMO has a moment where they focus on trying to recruit new players. So this is no different. Star Trek Online is no different. In this case, I don't have to buy an expansion. I don't have to buy the game for $60. I don't have to buy it at Best Buy, install it, and oh yeah, my level 50 character. No, this is free. This is completely gifted to you. And not only that, is the rewards are released account wide. So I'm, you know, I'm just Oh, and you know what? You made a point about the increased uh, experience gain and that's going to be unlocked game-wide by enough people participating. That too, it's going to be increased. Yeah, so assuming sufficient participation, then people who don't want to level up another character can just go and farm specialization XP at up to would they say two and a half times if we unlock all three levels? Yep. Yeah, for me it's like I'm not the thought of completely leveling up another alt is just I don't want to do that, but I'm totally going to try this out. I'm going to make one of those little baby alien men's. Oh, gosh. Maybe a man, maybe a woman. I don't know. Those little miniature ones that I've always wanted to do that. So now's my chance, right? And I might not level them up all the way. I don't know what I'm going to do, but I'm just going to just see what it's like. Yeah. I mean, it's not hurting anything to try it out. You don't have to pay for anything. It's Everything's free. Well, Elijah, if you can't figure out what's bad about this event, I guarantee you they will tell you. <laughs> <laughs> so, Admirals, here's our first community question for you. What are your thoughts of this initial teaser for the Delta recruitment event coming in April? Do you think you're going to start a new character? Have you already invited friends? Do you have friends that might have retired that you're going to try to convince to come back? Have they been excited about the news and told you that they'll be starting a new tune? Let us know in the comments section for this episode on PriorityOnePodcast.com forward slash PO213 or in a reply on the forum post for this episode on the official Star Trek online forums. This week I wanted to share an article with the group and some of my own thoughts about the concept of event fatigue. We'll have the link in the show notes, but the article comes from MassivelyOP.net, Massively Overpowered, and it's called Do You Get MMO Event Fatigue? It's fairly brief, so I'll share it here. Based on how many awards it won last year and how many Massively OP writers and guildies have been sucked into it, I know I'm not alone in my apparent crush on Marvel Heroes and its MMO-ish loot pinata, One More Mission Ways. A good MMO action RPG is the video game equivalent of comfort food. It's cheap and delicious, and I get more of a City of Heroes vibe from it than any other launch superhero MMO I've tried. But the events, guys. There's literally an event every single weekend. It's overwhelming. Right now, there's not just one bonus weekend going on, but two. Buffs, loot drops, experience gain. It's pretty crazy. It must be working for them, but I admit I get fatigued by the avalanche of events. It actually makes me feel less pressure to log in and play because I know if I miss an event this weekend, next weekend we'll bring another one, maybe two. How about you? Do you get MMO event fatigue? And this is something we've actually been talking about recently, and the article addresses it fairly concisely. We have gone from the winter event into anniversary, into R&D, the Chrysline Entity XP weekends, like I haven't even been able to take advantage of all of them because they've been overlapping and happening back to back while I'm trying to level and do other things in the game. So I thought I'd throw it out to you guys. Uh, how do you feel about that? What do you think about event fatigue? Like with a lot of the things in the game, it doesn't hurt anything if you don't do it, but then you don't get that sweet reward that everybody else is getting, so you kind of feel obligated to do it. Especially when it's Dilithium, when you're getting rewarded with Dilithium. 
So I try to do all the events, and they are back-to-back. -back. And it's true that they, you're, you're, there's always a reason to log in every single day to do that thing. If not to just get ahead for the next year. Even if you finished the event and you have like a, two weeks left of it, you still want to keep storing up the stuff for next year so that next year will be even easier. It does kind of feel like an obligation, even though it's not. Yeah, I know what you mean. Especially, like, the first thing I do now is log in and look for a crystalline group. This event is pretty low-key because you could generally do an entity in five minutes, ten minutes tops, getting a group together. Everybody wants to do it and redo it. But now it's also Mark's weekend. Okay, that's great. Crystalline is now granting every kind of mark, whatever kind you want. So that's fantastic. That's easy. But when we had the tail end of the anniversary event with the XP event, I didn't get to use the XP part at all. I was still focused on doing the anniversary stuff and getting those Omega techs was overwhelming. Oh, I know. Yeah. Because you know how good those Omega tech upgrades are and you want to get the most of them that you can. So I completely ignored the XP weekend for the most part. Mm -hmm. And I had been looking forward to it. But that only really happened because they extended the anniversary event because of the lag and downtime. So yeah. that's a trade-off, I guess. But I'm still glad they extended it, though. That's the thing. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I can't argue that. So what constitutes an event? Well, we have the weekend events, which used to be, you know, back in the day we had the hourlies. So in the article, they're talking about Marvel Heroes, which they have a rotation that's a little more intense than, you know, how we have Dilithium, R&D, Marks and so on they literally have something every week as soon as one ends the next one starts for us we have seasonal events plus weekend events plus the occasional additional promotion but anything that appears on the calendar i'm considering an event yeah i can feel it i think that i feel it subconsciously i don't even notice that it's pulling away from the game time right because i as i've said before i consider myself to be the middle class player so on average i might give star trek online two hours a night or so. And so I don't like the idea of feeling as if though I have to go in and spend that time doing a specific event because I'm crunched for time. That pressure, right? There's a pressure there that I don't think needs to exist because there's so much more to do in the game. Yeah, I think that there is a bit of an event fatigue because I want to be able to log in and not worry about anything. There are already things I have to worry about. Okay, I gotta do, set my DOFs. I gotta make sure that I've got my R&D projects going. I've gotta do more of these housekeeping things and I want to at the end of that do something exciting or different whether it's a foundry mission or a foundry door in, in sector space or whether it's an STF these events take away from those two hours in so far that I could be playing other content in the game without feeling the pressure to get what I need to get like you know the shards or XP or the particles so it'd be nice to maybe have a week. I like the way events can structure my in-game time sometimes, but if the event itself is really time-demanding or overridingly right. worthwhile, it'll make, cause me to put off some of my other in-game goals. It creates a sort of tension or pressure, like you mentioned. So I wouldn't mind seeing maybe a week or two where there's a respite of events, but not too long. I think that these are events are good. I'm just wondering who they're targeting now, right? I think the idea, for instance, of the global events that the Delta recruits will have to compete for is going to be really great for the entire community, for the global community. So, I mean, I can see who they're targeting because there's so many people that if like an hour goes by with nothing to do, they're like, I'm bored. I'm going to quit the game. So I can totally understand why they 
always have something to do. Yeah, it's a fine line. Yeah. You can't please everybody. I mean, even we joke about the content drought, like, immediately as soon as there's a slow news week. So here's our second community question for you, Admirals. What do you think about event fatigue? Is an event each week in Star Trek Online a little too much for you, for your game style? Or are you always in the game and can manage to participate in just about anything that Star Trek Online throws at you? Let us know in the comments section for this episode at PriorityOnePodcast.com forward slash PO213 or in the forum post for this episode on the Star Trek Online forums. Again this week, in an effort to bring you some of the news and comments from Perfect World and Cryptic that aren't officially announced in the blogs this week, here's the latest comments pulled from the forums, DevTracker, and the Twitterverse. At Salami underscore Inferno, a.k.a. Executive Producer Steven Ricosa, tweeted a picture of effects artists Mike and Chris working with environment artists on some, quote, secret coolness, unquote. What could it be? Well... Whatever it is, it's awesome. Because according to the whiteboard, that's what it is. It literally says awesome. Cryptic Joe Jing engaged with the community on the forums regarding the idea of changing your character's gender. Although we made no promises, this is a feature that they have considered and an option they would indeed like to introduce. And again, executive producer Salami Inferno sneaks up behind his peeps to take a picture mid-conversation. In this tweet, Steven catches Bardicus and Gorn Gonzola discussing the finer points of system design. Unfortunately, our picture-enhancing computer is at Geek Squad for repairs, so we don't really know what's on the whiteboards. What new systems could they be working on? Or were they just deciding on Chinese or Indian for lunch? Well, then they probably have two to four weeks to wait before we can process that image. Absolutely. Well, Cookie, what events are coming up in Star Trek Online when we just finished talking about event fatigue? Well, the Research and Development Weekend starts March 19th and runs through March 23rd. That means during that time you get 50% more research XP and bonus R&D items, crafting packs, and harvest nodes. You have a chance of getting a catalyst also. Well, that wraps up Star Trek Online news for this week. Let's open hailing frequencies and see what's incoming. Message coming in, sir. Hailing frequencies. Open. See? We are getting to know each other. Hey guys, uh, this is Mala in game. I've been listening to Priority One for a couple of months now and love it. This is about one of the best podcasts I've ever heard. And this is including stuff from twit.tv and other such uh, media outlets. Keep up the great work, guys. I always love listening and playing in game with you. Thanks. Hey, Mala, thank you for the voicemail. To be compared to the likes of the Twit Network is an amazing compliment. It's, it's just absolutely humbling. So thank you for the voicemail. We appreciate you listening every week, and we hope that you'll continue to do so. I wanted to voice my opinion about the Jim Hedon strike ship, and the issue I personally have with it is that it doesn't offer anything new. I mean, the, uh, the command and uh, intel capabilities are pretty nice, but they're quite limited. The ship doesn't really offer anything new in terms of PvE experience, because on dual heavy cannon builds, you generally want to use uh, cannon scatter volley. When it goes to PvP, however, the trait actually is more useful on other escorts, uh, like the Vardua escort, for example, which is considered to be one of the most powerful, not cloaking, nor no tier 6 ships out there when it comes to PvP. When it comes to how they do it, I really am not fond of the way they do it. It's quite annoying because most of the tier 6 mastery traits are actually more useful on not tier 6 ships, and the ships 
themselves are not really that powerful. It's the way actually they, I suppose, sell it mostly, because personally I wouldn't want to have a command battlecruiser, for example, or a Jem'Hadar strike ship. But if I were doing something specific, or just wanted to get a very uh, overpowered trade for the command ship, well, I have to get the whole ship and pay the Zen, so I think that's a, a bit of an issue here. So he brings up a very good point regarding the mastery traits, which are some of the most handsome features of the tier 6 ships. Personally, I would love to see them find a way to monetize the mastery traits, whether or not it's through fleet modules that can be purchased and then crafted in some way, just like the technical manuals for bridge officers, because I would pay... I think I would pay $15, half the cost of a ship for a mastery trait, to then include on whatever ship that I want. So I think it would be a smart move to monetize the, the mastery traits in some way. Alright, Admirals, we're at the part of the show where we open hailing frequencies for your incoming messages. Now here's a reminder, last week's community question was, what are your thoughts on the new Jem'Hadar Tier 6 strike ship, and what were the methods you used to earn it? Zobaraz commented via PriorityOnePodcast.com, I personally didn't find much lure to get the T6 bug ship. For one, I was never a fan of the bug ship. I've always felt it was a double standard to have this kind of frigate available for play at endgame. But aside from my personal preference, not really finding appeal to the ship, the stats are close enough to the T5U Fleet Tempest for me to not mind over much. The specialization seats are nothing huge, and the trait is lackluster enough not to replace most of the traits I currently have on hand. It's true, though. Comparing it to the really? Fleet Tempest, which is arguably one of the most powerful Federation ships, is no joke. So, Oh, my God. I need to switch to my Fleet Tempest, man. I am <laughs> sitting on a Fleet Tempest that I haven't been using. And it has that Nadion bomb console, too. Yo, you know how much I love my Presidio? I was talking in uh, 10K or 30K about the Presidio with another user, and a guy's like, Command cruisers are meh for Fed. I was like, what do you mean? If, that, if the command cruiser is meh, what's considered excellent? He's like, uh, Fleet Tempest with Nadion Bomb. I'm like, oh, okay, if you're going to say that. Uh, you see, I'm going to have to level up some uh, some dual beam banks. I'm telling you, I told you to switch to that. But, well, I haven't switched to it because I don't have dual beam banks yet and phasers. I don't have uber phaser gear yet, phaser weapons. So I don't want to switch into that ship. And you want phasers, right? You want a phaser li- loadout because of the railgun. You can't move the railgun out. And so it's a wasted slot if you don't just you do everything phasers. Ryan runs phasers on his? Yeah, the video that Ryan showed on his YouTube is phasers, dual beam banks. Yeah, because it probably boosts, um, well, no, the Nadion bomb isn't phaser damage, but I guess because of the railgun. I don't know. I don't have that ship. On the Star Trek Online forum post for this episode, Future Pass now writes, I think the tier 6 bug ship is what this forum demanded way back when the new tier was announced. Granted, the way they did it is a pretty transparent money grab, but it's a money grab that will work, and I really can't blame Cryptic for this one. Still, it sets a precedent for lockbox ships to be outright replaced. But to look on the bright side, tier 6 isn't that much better than tier 5U, and replacing the old lockbox ships would at least drive their prices down if you're shopping for one. Tier 6 Decora, anyone? That would be nice. We, we spoke about this a little while ago, and I think it was Moneybags who brought it up to me about the necessity to really entice players with the older lockboxes, right? To find a way to really improve what the reward payouts are. Because, you know, right now, some of the old lockboxes, there's really no reason to open them. Mhole85 writes on the Star Trek Online forum post for this episode, First off, I think it was a bad decision to make the Tier 6 Jem'Hadar ship an attack ship rehash. A battleship battlecruiser would have been more welcome. That said, I got it. P. 
paid for it on the exchange. I also have the other Gemidar ships, and you guys failed to mention the three-piece bonus which takes away the downside to the new console. With other bonuses to accuracy, damage, crit H, and crit D, the Dominion 3 console set has gotten a lot better. Still needs further testing. Still waiting on the trade to unlock, but according to forum reports, it's bugged. Oh, I hadn't seen that. It's true, the three console set bonus is pretty good, but the number of people who would have all three ships and use all three consoles, that's a tough one. I have the original bug ship and the carrier, and I never got the uh, cloud candy, aka the escort carrier. <laughs> that's what I need in mind. Tobias LTF writes via PriorityOnePodcast.com, In my opinion, I feel that Cryptic would have been more successful had they done a revamp of the ship system starting at tier 5U, versus just creating another higher tier. Ships and their base stats and weapon slots would remain proprietary to the respective ships. The boff stations, console slots, and mastery trait would be determined by a kit. This new type of starship kit system would accomplish a lot of positive things. One example would be opening up additional sources of revenue for Cryptic by giving the player base more purchasing options. I've definitely seen some different suggestions like this relating to almost a ship crafting or modular ship system, which I think is very interesting. I know that even just the ground kits were a pretty significant tech challenge, so I don't know if they do something like this, but I like the idea, especially the ability to, within a certain parameter, keep the appearance of whatever ship you wanted, but maybe play around with the stats a little bit. So if there's a ship whose layout you love, but a ship whose appearance you love, and they're similar enough, like both cruisers or both escorts or whatever, you could maybe finagle it a little bit. The other thing about the tier 6 ships was about the mastery traits, man. I really want them to be able to craft mastery traits. Uh, that would be cool. You know, I can understand that they're, if they do it, they're going to charge an exorbitant amount or or make it very difficult to do it. And yes, make it a financial benefit to them. But yeah, if they could, in that revamp that Tobias is talking about of the ship's system starting with tier 5 upgrades, if they can allow for mastery traits to be crafted in some way whether it's purchasing modules like you would on the c-store or something man that would be i think that that would be really great right that would be that would really satiate the break between some players that don't want to buy the ship because they don't like it but they want the trade like they'll still make money regardless right they'll still make a buck some players want the ship you want the presidio you bought the presidio but i don't want the presidio but man i want that mastery trait Mm-hmm. i would pay money for the mastery trait i don't know man i think i would say i would almost pay half the cost of the ship for the mastery trait. Mm. If it's thir- if the ship is $30, I think I would pay I think I would pay $15. I think so. I think 50 anywhere between 10 and $15 worth of real life money for a mastery trait is 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 reasonable because man, those mastery traits can be pretty pretty beefy. Green Dragoon tweeted us at STO Priority 1, with every ship being subject to depreciation, it's foolish to expect the Gemidar strike ship to be somehow exempt. The ship is three years old. Also, Elijah is totally DS9 trolling us at this point. No way. Emoticon, sticky tongue out. <laughs> what? Deep Space Nine? I, you know, I'm not That's trolling. Right. I just, I'm saying how it is, and Deep Space Nine is the less fun of them all. <laughs> Says the guy who wants a gritty reboot. Dislikes the grittiest Trek. Come on, Deep Space Nine was not, was not gritty. Come on! Compared to Voyager compared to next generation. Yeah, true, true. I guess so. I guess so. But like you like you said though, what was the phrase that you used the 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 uh the description about if you don't show it, don't say it? Oh, show don't tell. Yes. Yeah, yeah. Show me, don't tell me. I want to see Beta Z get invaded by Gem Adar. <laughs> that sounds weird. Seriously. 
Jake posted on PriorityOnePodcast.com. Great show as always. Laughed harder than I should have when Cookie told Dr. Hurt, great guest as always, her saying, Pluto is a dwarf planet, was a closing statement, not a question. <laughs> good stuff. The that new bug really ship doesn't get my motor running, so to speak. I generally run a tankish beamboat. Tactical escorts with a cannon trait is an easy pass, thankfully. I feel for the folks that have their eye on one, though. It's an expensive endeavor. That it is. That it is. Arngitis tweeted us, In my humble opinion, they should put ship upgrading into the R&D system so none of our ships are obsoleted. There you have it, folks. The word from Arngitis. Do it. I don't know. Would that work, though? How would they monetize that? I don't know. I guess you would need a module. I think they should do that, man. I think that the money is in modules. I think the money is in modules. If they want to do, like, R&D, like, or new ships, tier 6 upgrades, or or maybe even a tier 5 upgrade to a tier 6, they should really consider throwing it in the craft. Well, we know that they're doing something with ships in the crafting system. Yeah. I and mean, Alrivera said that that was the long the long term here. In their in from their point of view, this is still the early stages of the post Delta Rising world, so we'll see. Airborne commented on the Facebook post for this episode. Great show as always, gang. I just wanted you guys and the listeners to know about a few other tricks to help you survive the crystalline entity blast wave. The barrier field generator from the Phalanx science ships, and I think from a lockbox, creates a shield wall that players can get behind and take no damage. It goes away after the wave hits. If you have the three-part Aegis set, you can get the energy feedback conductor. Pop it right before the wave hits and you will take no damage. Again, guys, great show and keep up the great work. Good tip on the barrier field generator. I have the phalanx on Klingon side, and I plan on leveling up my Gorn science officer, so I'll keep that in mind. Each week, our social media channels are busy with your thoughts, opinions, and suggestions for the show. Please keep them coming. Reach out to us on Facebook.com slash PriorityOnePodcast. Follow us on Twitter at STOPriorityOne. Or shoot an email to incoming at PriorityOnePodcast.com. Well, that wraps up episode 213 of Priority One Podcast. Be sure to catch our episodes every Monday morning by pointing your podcast catchers to feeds.priorityonepodcast.com. Admirals, you know we love hearing from you. Let us know what you think of the show and submit your responses for our community questions in the comments section on our site or in the STO forum post for this episode. This week's community questions are, first off, what do you think of the Delta recruitment event? And will you be making a new character? What will it be? Secondly, what do you think about the concept of event fatigue? Is an event every week too much for you and your playstyle, or can you manage it, or do you welcome it? Let us know your thoughts in the comments section for this episode on PriorityOnePodcast.com or in the official post for the episode on the Star Trek Online forums. Stay in touch with us throughout the week by following our social media websites. Head over to Facebook.com forward slash PriorityOnePodcast and give us a like. Or check us out on Twitter via at STOPriority1. You can even join the Priority One podcast chat in-game. Just type forward slash channel underscore join space Priority1 into the game chat box. Admirals, we want to thank you for your ongoing support of Priority One podcast. With that support, we have already hit our monthly running costs, and we are so very grateful to all of our patrons. Don't forget, even if you can offer financial support... Sharing our show with your friends is another great way to show us your support, as is going to podcastawards.com every day, once per day, and casting your vote for us. 
both in best produced and gaming categories. And don't forget to tune in to Priority One Productions' Guard Frequency podcast at guardfrequency.com, covering the ongoing development of Chris Roberts' upcoming Space Sim Star Citizen. If you like this show, then listening to Guard Frequency is the logical choice. Admirals, we mention often that we're always looking for new members to join the Priority One podcast team, and we're currently looking for Foundry reviewers to include in the weekly episodes. So if you're a Foundry player and would love to submit your reviews as a guest host, then reach out to us at incoming at PriorityOnePodcast.com or click on Red Shirt Uncle Sam on the Priority One podcast website. The Priority One fleet is recruiting. If you're interested in joining, just shoot us an email with your at handle and we'll be sure to send you an invite. The email is incoming at PriorityOnePodcast.com. And now, you can also join our Klingon Fleet Division, Warriors of Priority One. Today is a good day to join. And now, the Priority One Fleet will be hosting live stream giveaways every Saturday at 8 p.m. Eastern, 5 p.m. Pacific, hosted only by the Priority One Fleet. Thanks to the entire team behind Priority One Podcast, including our audio engineer, Ben Churchill, with support from audio assistants, Admiral Winters, who's in the recording booth this week, and Frederick Redegard, and to QA support staffer, Midnight Shadow 7, who is also the host of Tribbles in Ecstasy. Thanks to our graphic artist, Romulan Ale, to all our bloggers and their managing editor, L, to the writer of our prelude dramas, Jake Morgan, to our video editor, Jerry Tillman, to Chris Trone, our new social media manager. Thanks to the composer of our theme music, Chris Watts. Thanks to our syndication partners, Subspace Radio and Trek Radio. Most importantly, a big thanks to you, the Star Trek Online community, our listeners. Because without your ongoing support, none of this would be possible. Red alert. Shields up. Ready weapons. Engage. Engage. And I'm Elijah. Well, what do we have this week, Elijah? You want to you wanna feel a little more confident there? <laughs> <laughs> He's like, wait, wait, Elijah is saying this part? It's usually Cookie oh. that says before we wrap the show. Now we'll see how you do it. I'm looking yeah. forward to it. What do we have in store this week, Elijah? So He's that was at about a again. 10. I need you to be doing about a No, that six. was about like a 2. <laughs> Sup, Elijah. <laughs> I'm so glad it's not me this week. Oh, man. Hi, this is Chris Keane. Just finished listening to episode 211, and I just wanted to say that with a double XP weekend and the upgraded rewards, I went on Argola, and I managed to level up one to four on the mastery of the new command ship. So very... Oh, hang on. Hang on. 
Come on, Chrissy, bring it home. Bring it home. Come on. Yes! Yes! Chris, perfect game. Kane on the particles. Yes! I'll get back to you. Chris Keane here again. Now calm down. Um, I have to apologise to my son Sam, who was crying when I yelled out. Um, he thought I was yelling at him and he started crying. Bless him. On the downside, when I got my perfect game, I clicked on uh, the finish bit, click rewards, and I didn't actually get any. So uh, for anybody else looking to get perfect game, don't. Thank you. A damage immunity when you use any hull heal on your starship. Hull heal. Hull heal. Hull heal. Okay, hold on. This, this trait will proc a damage immunity when you use any hull heal on your starship. Delta hull heal. Did I did I say it like that again? No, no, no. Oh my god. This is Elijah Stone News Part Two, Sync One. This is a Cookie STO News Part Two, Sync Three, Two. Come on, this is Jay Stone News Sync Three Part Two. <laughs> well, the research and development weekend starts. Starts. <sighs> Wah, wah. They like rapping. They like it when we rap, apparently. Yo, yo, yo. Priority one fleet is recruiting. Yo. No. Wow. Well, if that's not a blooper, <laughs> I don't know what. what. <laughs>